Hello and welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, a podcast where we talk about movies, TV shows, trailers, video games, our personal journals, a whole bunch of stuff that we might deem pop culture. <laughs> I'm joined today by my co-host Emmett, and today we're going to be delving into The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, episode 5, episode titled The Truth. We got a lot to unpack today. <laughs> yeah, just to be clear, I'm not bringing out my journal entries on this pod. We're not. I, I have this whole section on it. <laughs> well, okay, that can be the ending for you. We'll send we'll send the folks off with that. I'll start with my third grade year. It was the first day of third grade. The ending, I said. Let okay. me log off oh, first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, news. I feel like there was nothing major in the news this week, right? There was a lot of things in the news this week, but nothing in pop culture news. <laughs> <laughs> I know, like Mortal Kombat drops today. We're recording on the sixteenth friday i don't know if there's that much is it dropping today yeah it dropped out uh, uh today oh no way okay all right well are you gonna watch it I, i'm just adding mortal kombat to my queue so yeah heck yeah i don't know if i'll watch it i mean i didn't play the game growing up there was there was a chapter on it in uh, dr disrespect's book but <laughs> other than that that's my only connection to it i love mortal kombat i feel like that that's one of the games that no matter what, I'm always in the mood for. Mainly because it's like such a basic pick-up-and-play kind of thing. Yeah, so. I like that style. I don't know if I like that game. That's the problem. I'm a big fighting game guy. Like, get get a good fighting game in my hands, and I'll probably be hooked on it for hours. Big fight guy. Okay. Big, big, big fights. <laughs> Only the biggest fights. <laughs> so I guess we're uh, I guess we're skipping the news this week. Nothing in the news. I guess so. I mean, if we have anything, I'll probably shout it out in the middle of the episode without any. When we've and, lost all the spoiler-free. Yeah. People. You know, okay, I like that. Yeah. Let's just say the news whenever we feel it. That's sure. when the news happens, right? That's what breaking news is for. So there yes. you go. As yes, you find, nice. as you, as we find out the news, not as the news is actually delivered in the world. That's how we'll tackle things now. Uh, but I don't mind it because this episode was really, really good. And I want to talk about it. So let's get the spoiler free section out of the way so that we can get into the spoiler section. Yeah, this was a really like emotionally charged episode. It's very difficult for me to rank this among the others because it's so different from the flock of the rest. I mean, it's and what we've have been saying is. This episode is our favorite every single week. So I don't want to fall into that trap. I, I don't know if you will, but uh, it, it's different from the others is what I'll say in a spoiler free way. It had honest conversations. You can empathize with all characters really and see why they're making the decisions they're making. It was nice to be like, this is the conversation we need to have in the show, but also like in America and get other people's like understand other people's perspectives and ultimately how to build trust between two people uh and i'm i say this often and i probably should stop saying it but i'm very surprised that this is a marvel show because uh it's tackling bigger issues than you know the the classic cape crusader type issues uh but i guess this is what phase four is about really and i'm liking the direction of marvel and this kind of feels like the first time where I've felt passionate about a character since like, like origin wise, since seeing Iron Man build his suit uh, in his basement, you know, I completely agree. And what I'll say is this is my favorite episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you will fall for that. 
I will. I, I, you know, it's it sounds it sounds very cheesy, and I, I don't I don't like sounding like a broken record here, but I think that you know we can probably agree that I feel like this show has delivered what I was kind of expecting it to deliver, which is a good Marvel narrative, but it's also really really coming in hard with some of these heavy themes. It's handling it really well, and I overall just I'm excited to see every single week you know to tune in and kind of see what they have going on uh this has been a great character piece uh which i i really i really like i feel like this this show and i, and I kind of told you this offline but um there was a point during this episode where i had to kind of check myself a little bit and be like am i still watching a marvel show here or are we delving yeah. into something a little bit heavier like i'm not going to say this was like any oscar worthy performances here but i feel like we're getting close to the side of things, I guess, where we could add some legitimacy to like the comic book genre. Cause I feel like most of the time it gets stifled into this whole, I guess like a Hollywood elite kind of snobbish attitude of like, Oh, Marvel or Marvel or DC movies or any comic book movies can't possibly handle some mature subjects. Um, but then along comes something like this that I think, uh, you know, proves that wrong. And I feel like it manages to capture an audience that may actually be, open and ready and willing to have these types of conversations but handles it in such a way where nobody's like forcing you into a corner here but you're you're listening to a conversation that's that seems like something that's you know taken straight out of the headlines so today yeah it's uh it's very interesting to see what marvel's doing and and exceeding all expectations and i think that's what this show may have had against it like looking at WandaVision trailer, I was like, I have pretty low expectations because it seems like they're trying something experimental. Even Loki is also like, I don't really know what to expect. I'll go into that kind of cold. But seeing the trailer for this show, I was like, this is going to be a Marvel one. This is going to have to live up to those standards of action and whatnot. And they do do that. Um, we get a little bit of action in this one, but it's it's this episode specifically has exceeded past those expectations that we came in with for you know for anybody listening that was into or is into comics and continually reads them this storyline of of sam's journey to becoming captain america is very recent in the comics but i feel like it was one of those stories in comic books and comic book lore that i feel like was handled really well and I like seeing elements of it translated into the show obviously this isn't a word-for-word translation nothing in marvel ever has been but i feel like this is one of those moments where i kind of think originally i was a little apprehensive because i'm like it's a it's a recent storyline i don't know if they should be tackling that just yet but they've done it and they've done it with the same kind of elegance that they did in, in the books so i'm i'm happy with what we're getting yeah i i totally agree so why don't we leave it there for a spoiler-free section. So if you haven't seen the episode and you still plan to, uh, go ahead and throw us on pause. Come back later after you've watched to get the rest of our breakdown. So why don't we start with the, I guess, the opening fight and kind of the only action of this episode where John Walker kind of just ran away from <laughs> murdering a man. He did. Uh, he just ran to the outskirts of town, which I thought was kind of funny. And then... Uh, you get to see him kind of like go through a mental breakdown, I would call it. You can see his personality is like tearing apart. You could, he's like guilty for, I guess, killing this flag smasher. Also guilty for not 
covering Lamar and listening to him when he said that this doesn't feel right to run through that mission. Uh, so there's a lot of regret in that moment. Yeah, I feel like this, starting off with John Walker, we got right into it instead of like having us basically drag on the whole episode waiting for a fight that's going to inevitably happen between Sam Bucky and John Walker. Yeah. It's our opening. I feel like this show has done a really good job of kind of giving you an angle where nobody's really a villain. Maybe the power broker, but we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> we'll get to her later. We'll get to her. It's looking more <laughs> like it's her, but you know, I I do want to say though that you know the John Walker character has gotten a lot of hate, and I feel like you're you're meant to dislike him. You're meant to you know. There's been little things that have kind of given him dislike. He has that superiority complex to him, you know, from little th- from little things like, you know, turning on the, the police siren to hail um, Sam and, and Bucky. You know, the insens- insensitivity of that, you just kind of have to be like, all right. <laughs> you know, but the stuff like that or like putting his hand, his shoulder on the um, on, on one of the Wakandans and kind of, you know, basically talking down to them a bit. Yeah. Um, so he, he's been the character that's rather dismissive of his and like very much, uh, unaware of his own kind of, I guess, authority. He's, he's not self-aware. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't understand the like pecking order of the way the world works or even just like decent respect kind of. Right. And I think it, it mainly has like, it, they've done a good job of illustrating how he is the perfect soldier. He has done all this stuff. Right. But even the government is kind of neglectful of him because I'm, I'm pretty sure they ran through no evaluation of this guy other than like his skill set. Um, right. n- no concern for his mental state because clearly he was affected by whatever had happened to him in Afghanistan beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice testament to, you know, as somebody who who's you know, had family members and knows, you know, people in the military, it's how dismissive the actual government is of these members of service because it's, he's kind of a reflection of that. I think when we're, when we're delving into like, you know, who the different kind of um, themes that are being covered in this show, uh, John Walker is kind of a nod to just how messed up it is to like send somebody to this grand conflict and then just not give them any support and just keep burdening them with more and more and more charge. And so with him, it just kind of seems like finally he just snapped, you know, the pressure was too much and he just also didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. There was a great line later in the, in the show where he's having that, like, I guess it's a hearing. It's not so much a press conference, but uh, he does say like, he just shows his confusion where he's like, you built me, you, I've only ever followed orders. So if you're saying what I've done is unjust, it's because of what you've done to me. And the the guy, the senator that he's talking to is just like ignores it and just says like, return the shield when you have a chance, like get out of here. You're in, you're in trouble. <laughs> Everything that we've seen from him was very much intentional because they, they set you up in the first, um, well, not the first, the second episode, right after you get introduced to him as being this like actual kind of likable guy before they take you down the rabbit hole of like he's actually kind of unstable but you start to kind of see the reasons as to why just by some of the explanations and from the conversations that he and lamar were having but we kind of see it come full circle this uh in this episode and i i I like him as a character i feel like he's one of the more 
interesting Marvel characters that they've had in the last couple projects that they've done. Only because he's like he reminds me of like a Punisher for Captain America. Yeah, he's very he's very complex as a character. It's not as cut and dry as saying I hate him over a job that uh, either belonged to Falcon or in your heart still belongs to Steve Rogers. Like it is easy to dislike him for that reason, but he's very complicated. This fight though was brutal, (laughs) and they were also the only action in this episode. Yeah, which I thought I I didn't mind it. I, at the same time, throughout the whole episode, I was like, I feel like something's about to blow up, or someone's about to come in and kick somebody else down, or you know. But it, it never happened, and I was quite okay with it. This felt like a penultimate episode, but it didn't take quite a bit of a stop, like the way that WandaVision did. Because um, during that that series penultimate episode, we stopped to literally just give Wanda the backstory that she has she didn't have uh, fleshed out enough for. Um, and then this episode, it wasn't that. It was literally just kind of building us up a little bit more. And even though we didn't have action, the dialogue really carried us. Now, to me, it's more of like this is the anti-WandaVision. Like WandaVision withheld their powers and withheld fighting and any action until right about the end of the series. This one is like, let's give you an action, a huge action fight every every episode and then this will be your calm before the storm. So this is where we get to tease out a little bit of character development. Um, and I'm really liking that uh, that contrast. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's well balanced. And while we didn't get a lot of action, what we did get, though, I thought was really, really cool. Um, seeing Falcon and, and, and Bucky also just kind of wailing on, on John Walker was oddly satisfying. But also... A couple instances there where it seemed like he was more than willing to to kill both of them. No, he would have uh, because he's already past his breaking point. And I think the thing about the serum, uh, if I can divert onto a tangent just a little bit, it seems like when it was reworked, it may have masked the physical changes. But I think the psychological changes are also different. Whereas like Erksing's formula in the original Captain America, it just amplified what you were. So if you're a good man, you're a great man. If you're a bad man, you're like Red Skull. This one, it seems like it amplifies what you're feeling in the moment. And that's why we see like Carly go from just being really, really uh, depressed to a, a rash action. That's why we see the same thing go on for uh, for John Walker, where he goes from seeing Lamar to making a bad decision uh, and just carry out his strength into that action. It's not like it's a, like John Walker or Carly Morgenthau are inherently evil or were inherently just sort of bad or sort of good and they're amplified. It's that whatever they're feeling in that moment is what it is, is what gets amplified. Yeah, and they were, it's like an amplification of whatever they would have done to begin with anyway. Because I feel like had they not had those abilities, they would have gone a similar route. It's just probably less damage uh, that they could have done prior to them taking the serum. Right, that's the amplification, is that like John would have wanted to seek vengeance for Lamar being killed. And who knows if he would have car- like been able to physically carry it out, or 
have not been able to carry it out and would have had time to come to some sort of, all right, let me collect my thoughts. Let me gather myself here. And that's what the difference is. There was also some really neat symbolism in this in this fight where he tears off Falcon's wings right out of the jetpack that he has in yeah. the back. Yeah. With brutal visual, but also kind of like it's it's what that's the identity that Sam's had all this time. And mm-hmm. so symbolically at the end of this episode, he's in a place where, you know, he he's maybe able to kind of or not able, but like willing to move on from that stage of his life and kind of tackle on something a little bit more grander uh just because throughout this whole thing i feel like sam feels like he knows himself really well feels like he knows his place in the world really well and that's where he's willing to you know he's he's willing to be there but not kind of assert another level of responsibility or like another because it seems like he shouldn't have it that's how he kind of feels it throughout the episode and so here having his wings kind of taken out it's almost like setting him up to be like well well, now you have no choice but to do it yeah it's a it's a little on the nose with the metaphors there where like his wings are clipped and now he's being pushed from the nest and is forced to fly or not uh but i think what you're you're dancing around there is that he's always stayed like in his lane of what kind of a hero he is and it's always been like a sidekick level and that's why he may have a portion of the reason why he may have turned away the shield initially is because he didn't think he could live up to it or should try to live up to it. And I like the 180 that we get in this episode. Yeah, it's almost like he he's come to terms with the fact that it's not something that he wants to do, but something that he maybe has to. Yes, yes. Before we get onto that, though, because that's not quite next let's quickly talk about bucky and zemo so zemo visits the sokovia monument and clearly like mourning for his fellow countrymen but also just going through memories of his child and wife who were lost during it um and he just kind of calmly went with adora milaje which i personally i guess on face value the first watch i was like this is a little anticlimactic i was hoping he'd be off leading, not necessarily the flag smashers, but doing something grand and mastermindy. But I think he's just kind of finally run his course where he's like, I just want to die to go see my family again type of thing. Yeah, it seems like he's kind of at at the end of where he wants he what he wanted to do. But his mission is not complete quite yet. So I'm not quite sure if we're through with him for this series just yet. It seems like we are, uh, but it just kind of seems like it's not like him to leave Carly an open-ended um, point, right? Like it's he's, He seems more like the kind of guy to see a mission through, so I wonder if he has a trick up his sleeve. Well, he did give Bucky that guidance, like, if I was going to finish this mission out, she needs to be stopped. That is true. but And, Buc- I- and Bucky was like... He didn't respond to it, but he clearly is wearing it on his face. Like, I don't know if you're right. You might be right, but he has a way to poke and kind of get the that Winter Soldier mindset from Bucky in the places where maybe not the best um, idea to delve into, but he views it as necessary. 
Yeah, did you? What was your th- initial thoughts on Bucky pointing the empty gun at Zemo and clicking the empty chamber? So I'll be honest, I I never really thought he was gonna kill Zemo at all, only because th- there's a scene in the trailer where he's letting those bullets off of his uh, hand. So I was like, okay, this. I, I guess this is where that's coming from because the angle is positioned the same way. I don't remember that scene. And I was like, I don't think he's going to kill him either. But this just seems like a weird thing because he was on his list. And this seems like a weird way to cross somebody off your list. I think the way that he did is handing him to the Wakandans. Because now they're taking him. They said they're taking him to the Raft prison, which is not where right, he was so... before. So for the non-Marvel geeks, the Raft prison was featured in Civil War as well. Uh, It's basically like an Alcatraz type of prison out in the middle of the ocean, and it submerges itself. So they're going to take him to a highly secure location. I guess this was before uh, Sam's counsel on how to deal with uh, these regrets, but it seems like a weird way to be like, why even point the gun at him? I'm not quite sure. I, I think maybe he was testing him. And by he, I don't mean Zemo, but I mean like Bucky was testing Bucky's Zemo. Testing. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's like, is he going to test? What do you prove? I guess to kind of see what you know, if he has any other plan up his sleeve. Because if it's something where, because it seemed to me like Zemo actually thought Bucky was going to kill him there. And he, he welcomed it. He like gave him a nod, yeah. like, do it. Like, yeah. I'm ready to go see my family. Like, I want out of here. And, and then a la civil war it's like the living were not done with you yet and the wakandans showed up again yeah yeah and i think that's what bucky wanted to see because if we would have killed him then obviously that ends his suffering that ends his you know he's giving him what he wants and so by not killing him he's technically not giving him what he wants so you know i don't know it's kind of a weird thing but i feel like zemo was looking for a way to get off in this series yeah it's also weird to do like the bullet drop thing. Like I've seen that played out in other movies and shows and it works when it's like, Oh, that was Zemo's gun, but it doesn't work when it's your own gun. Like you didn't <laughs> fool him. Like you just lied to him. Surprise. I didn't load my clip. <laughs> I kept it in my hand. Ha ha. You look like a fool now. No, what? <laughs> I'm just glad they didn't pull it. Like, you know how there's like other like action thrillers where they're like, Oh, I knew you weren't going to, there wasn't any bullets in there because the way you were holding the gun, it wasn't quite heavy and you were leaning a little right. Towards this. So I was like, all right, good. Like Zemo's smart, but I don't think he's like, I don't think anybody's realistically that level no. of insightful, you know? Either way though, good closure on Zemo. Uh, I personally would have liked to see him have a mastermind plan, but I get it. You have one more episode left. You can't really waste it on Zemo if you're trying to close up the Flags Masters line. And I think he's coming back at some point. Um, I'm sure there's more room for him. I think the the fan appeal really liked him. Yeah, and I think that they've been, you know, and I've, I've said this before, but like because of the characters that are introduced throughout these last two shows, and then just kind of the setup, I guess that the fact that we were the director had mentioned that this series was supposed to be like the follow up to Black Widow in a way. I was like, all right, I think they're laying the groundwork for a particular team from the comics. So I, I think we're going to see Zemo again in some capacity. Yeah. So let's move on to Falcon and Isaiah. So uh, Sam Wilson goes to Baltimore with the shield and goes to visit Isaiah to get some more counsel there. This was maybe without a doubt, maybe with some doubt, 
but <laughs> um, maybe my favorite, my favorite scene I've had in between two characters in in a Marvel project in a while. Um, and they're not two big big name superheroes. They're two folks that are just getting their characters fleshed out here. Yeah, I'm for one off the bat. I'm very happy we brought Isaiah back because we had been asking for it for since we saw him uh, to give him a bigger role. Not just because like we need to know more, but just because like this is a very important topic. So very emotional discussion between the two, uh, talking about the oppression and the injustice of Black Americans and their culture. And Isaiah is coming at it with a perspective of, uh, to quote him, bitterness. And rightfully so. I mean, his life story is incredible and just depressing and and sad there is a show i talked about a little bit ago the watchman show that yeah. um, came out for hbo and i talked about how that show's intro um intro episode uh, brought the uh the massacre at um the the destruction of black wall street essentially mm-hmm. um and the black owned businesses and all that this was all approved by the government and it, it's stuff that happened but nobody talks about it's not taught in schools um, it's intentionally not taught in schools, you know, cause heaven forbid we put our government in a negative light. Um, right. but, <laughs> but the, I think that this scene has a similar level of impact though. I don't think quite as grand as it, but I feel like it has an, a, a bigger reach here. Yes. Um, we, he, he name dropped the, the Tuskegee airmen. He, he, you know, he talked about some of the experimentations that were done, mm-hmm. um, on black people, all of which are real they happened in real life these were yeah. things that are not just you know in the marvel in marvel's version of earth they happened in our version of earth it was it's quite messed up to put it mildly mildly right? yeah <laughs> but i i th- there was a level of me at that point the way that isaiah was talking about it um and the line that he delivers at the end of this conversation with him which is no self-respecting man whatever one black man would ever want to be captain america yeah, and, yeah, that was a tough that was a tough line to take in, uh, yeah. especially because he's like, it's a catch twenty two. Like America will never let their Captain America be black, and no self respecting black man would want to be him. And it's kind of like what we talked about in that first time they went to Baltimore, where Falcon was called Black Falcon, and it's yeah. like he can't just be Falcon. Like he can't just be who he is. It has to be reduced or boiled down to just your color and your title. And that's why he, I think Isaiah is like, you wouldn't want to be captain America because you're going to have this uh, extra large microscope on you. Right. And then like public perception isn't, is a whole other beast, you know? And I I think part of the thing, and there's a couple different points in this episode that kind of reestablish or reaffirm the point that, at some point, Steve took that shield away from the U.S. government. Steve was very much anti-government. As seen, you know, at the end of um, Winter Soldier, when he kind of realized how hypocritical everything is. Mm-hmm. Um, and and throughout that, from that point on, Steve was very anti-government. And so I think Sam is the embodiment of what Steve wanted this one of the idea of captain america to be which is basically just a representation of 
what you love about America, but not necessarily the government America. You know, they are two different things. Yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> but you know, it to me, this whole conversation was really, really powerful. I thought it was really, really something that I didn't think Marvel would kind of have the guts to to put out there, only because everything Isaiah is saying regarding the negativity behind the shield is right you know he's right but he's also like in in being right there's also that room of like well it's uh those aspects that he points out are the truth until they're no longer the truth and what i mean by that that's exactly it yeah at some point you change the direction you change the meaning of that symbol yes it's exactly it and that's a line that sam kind of delivers later is that what's the point of like Isaiah going through all this suffering and persevering, if I'm also going to roll over, I should stand up and fight because of the fight he did. And that's exactly the conversation that should be had in this show because it's going to reach a bigger audience of people that either understand it or more importantly, people that don't understand the suffering uh, that actually happened and either are denying it or whatever it is. Uh, and this is exactly how the uh, culture gets passed along is from uh, the elderly in that community that can say, here was our struggle, go out and, and get what we couldn't get. But that's not exactly the pr- point of view that Isaiah was uh, communicating to Falcon. It reminds me of, you know, and not to kind of digress, I guess, a little bit more, but because we were delving into this theme, I, I worked on a... Um, documentary called Through a Lens Darkly, where photographers were um, kind of, you know, unifying a, pictures of like the African diaspora here in this country. And there was an interview that somebody gave where they were saying that, you know, part of the black experiences in America is that you talk about these heavy issues with your kids because you don't want them to go through the same issues that you did. In other words, don't trust the police because they're going to mistreat you. Why? Because at some point they were paid to enforce these unjust laws. So you have this trauma, you pass it on to your kids, and it goes on because of justified reasons. But at some point, you have to take that, take those rings into your own hands and change that meaning. You know, at some point, the the goal should be that we get to a place where, um you know, that, that doesn't become a defining factor. Race doesn't become a defining factor in how you're treated. And so I feel like it kind of, that same message kind of reverberates here, where it's like, you know, Sam taking on the mantle of Captain America is so much more symbolic than Bucky taking the, the role of Captain America, which both of them, I think, would make great substitutes for Steve Rogers. But I feel like Sam has proven himself, not just as a person, but also... You know, in the way that he kind of um, is able to persevere in a lot of these issues that he would he would make the ideal Captain America for today. Yeah, even just the fact that he is willing to weigh the you know decision of should I take up the mantle or not proves himself worthy. Whereas like everyone else, it's the same idea with like taking the super serum. Everyone else who's asked it like. Lamar's like, hell, heck yeah, I would take the serum. And John Walker actually does take the serum. He's like, let me weigh the pros and cons of this, or let me have just like a shred of 
should I not do this? Like, let me make the argument for not doing this and then see if I can come up with a reason to do it. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there is a great conversation between Sam and Bucky about um, like how and why that shield was passed to him. Do we want to jump to that or do we want to talk about um, Bucky showing up in New Orleans first? Um, I think we could tackle those together because they kind of go hand in hand with it. Yeah, so I guess, obviously, if you've watched it, long story short, the uh, Bucky shows up after talking to Zemo, shows up in New Orleans where Falcon has gone back to be with Sarah, and they're, he's going through this whole storyline of, like, let's fix up the boat. Um, and I think this this actually... Let's not skip ahead. Let's, let's talk about this bit here. Uh, because it does highlight the importance of community using your you know, your fellow fellow neighbor and loved ones to help lift each other up out of a harder situation. We, we see that being done with fixing up the boat in this one instance. We do. And it's, it's a nice little callback to, to like what the actual maybe forgotten America kind of is, right? Like it's, it's, it's this unifying vision of people helping each other out. I guess essentially Sam calls in some favors from, from folks who knew their parents really well. He and, um, Sarah's parents. Mm-hmm. So they end up fixing up this boat. Bucky shows up. Did they get the boat working uh, like right off the bat? I forget whether. No. So it's more of they got uh, response to fixing up the boat. So people brought paint. People brought new wood. People brought uh, somebody brought like a whole new motor. Uh, so all the elements to fix it. And then that's when Bucky shows up to be like. Let me also throw in like pitch in here. And I love this because this is the way that they build their friendship. It can't be assumed and it can't be, uh, you know, bought. It's not like just because Sam wields the, uh, the shield that he's automatically Captain America and is now Bucky's best friend. So it's earning that friendship there. Friendship is magic. It's magic, but it's also a little elbow grease. <laughs> It is. I mean, it I is. think that's why I liked it because it was like, it's exactly what the therapist was trying to do is like communicate to each other. And this was their way of communicating. It's not going to be the same for everybody. So that's why like they need to have some sort of project in the middle where they can each show some expertise. Like Sam, I don't know what Sam knew how to do. He knew where certain pieces went or why certain things went together. But Bucky could be like the elbow grease and, and, pull up planks or whatever what he was doing sam is the brains and you know, i don't know if sam the was the brains though because he couldn't figure out how to do that one <laughs> one assembly of that like water compressor or whatever it was sarah's the brains sam is kind of the brains. <laughs> they, they each are bringing like 50 percent of a brain and then yeah. bucky brings most of the brawn <laughs> but i will say i do fully approve of the choice of heineken splitting a six-pack Nothing like it after a day of boat work. <laughs> the only drink during the days you have to work on the boat. Honestly, any beer on a boat is like the best beer. Mm, I don't know of any beer. No, I've 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 tried them all. <laughs> <laughs> we got a beer connoisseur here. Okay. Hey. We should turn this into the beer podcast. <laughs> we can. We should do an episode on beer. We should. But this then leads into where we were originally taking this convo is to, you know, tossing the shield around part one. Uh, This is probably the most honest conversation the two have had and the most conversation the two have had that we've seen on screen. 
definitely definitely the most that they've said to each other too and i feel like they finally came to a point where they understand one another yes and 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 it's funny how they're both like without the need of therapy in this part (laughs) um we're able to kind of successfully communicate uh what the other's kind of feeling and have this very very honest conversation as to why you know for example like why sam felt the way that he did and why bucky just kind of also didn't want to let the the shield go after sam kind of gave it up yeah it went from the tone of very very tough love in the therapy session to now i hear you and i understand and here's also my reaction to that moment and it's not judgment and it's nothing ill-willed it's just like you giving away the shield was like the last remaining like the last relic of Steve Rogers. And that was my best friend. And if you gave it away, then I have nothing left. And now it's in the hands of that psychopath, you know, like, uh, so we understand Bucky's point of view, but then he also has that great line of being like, when Steve told me about what you were planning or what he was planning to do, we both didn't consider what it meant for a black man to receive the shield. And, that's like when Falcon's eyes or Sam's eyes lit up and he was like, okay, now you're seeing my point of view. You're starting to understand. Right. And then, you know, then he goes on to give, um, I guess, Bucky his, his tough love advice, which is basically like, you can't be beating yourself over, over trying to make amends with everyone. It's not all about getting, I guess, justice or closure with them, but it's more so about offering yourself up to these people that, you may have hurt as the winter soldier. Yeah. And you, you called that too earlier where it was like, he is a trained grief counselor and Bucky clearly has PTSD. These two belong together, but they couldn't get to that point in their relationship. So now we finally get to see that. Um, and it's great. I, I thought we would maybe get a Yuri scene in this when Bucky left, but maybe there just wasn't enough time. When, oh, for, for the suit. Yeah, I I was hoping we'd see the suit in this episode. No, no, Yuri, the um, the father of the son who Bucky killed at that convention, who he was like best friends oh, with and got lunch. I'm I thought Yuri. Yeah, no, no, is it Yuri? It was Yuri, right? I think it is Yuri. Yeah, I was just confusing it with Shuri. I was like, oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we should talk about her too, but I thought we were going to maybe see a real quick, like him showing up at the door since it was, this was like the emotionally charged episode. I thought maybe we'd get a couple minutes of him being like, here's the real, here's what really happened. I owe you this, whether it costs us the friendship that we built or not. Like this is part of what really making amends is. It's not about tricking them into friendship or it's not about getting revenge or justice. It's about, one act of being there for them. I wonder if that's how it's going to play out at the end of it. And I hope it is, but I also feel like that revelation is probably going to be quite a shaker to that relationship. Well, it's all leading to New York and that's where Yuri was. So I was like, this makes sense. Uh, But I guess we're already approaching the hour mark with credits. So I guess they probably just had time constraints. Yeah, there was so much I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more of, just because, like, you know, halfway through this, I'm like, all right, this is the character building episode. I hope we get this, this, and that. And while we got all the key components, there's always these little slivers of stuff that I was kind of hoping that we get into. 
yeah, the suit. Yeah, Chris, yeah. Can you show me that suit, Well, please? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that being the cliffhanger of... Uh, and if you haven't seen and you're still listening, the suit that we're referring to is when Bucky handed Zemo over to the Dora Milaje. He called him one more favor and basically got what we're assuming to be the Falcon uh, suit that he's going to wear when he becomes Captain Falcon or whatever it's called. Captain uh, America Falcon. I, I'm thinking of Smash Bros. Captain Falcon. <laughs> Captain Punch. Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he doesn't, we don't get to see it, but we get to see the box that it comes in. So we don't get to actually see the suit. And they leave us on the cliffhanger of him opening the box, but not showing us. So uh, I'm okay with it being the cliffhanger of this episode. Although it is weird to be like, you spent all this time training, like in that Rocky montage that you didn't train with your game day suit. Like it's like if you were a track runner and you kept running in these one pair of shoes and then the day of the race, you break out these brand new shoes that haven't been broken in. Like (laughs) it used to what you're supposed to wear. Yeah. Yeah. And I th- I'm curious to see what that thing is going to look like. Are, does he still have wings? Does he not? How is, I think there know? are wings, right? I hope so. Yeah, he's got like, the costume. little like star emblem on his chest. That's how the comic costume looked like. I, I don't think know it's going to be close to that. If they got if they got Wanda's very close to what the comic one is, I think they're going to do really really good with this. I hope so. I know there's an there's like an action figure that leaked out that has the actual visual of, of the suit and how that's going to look like. I haven't looked at it, but I've seen it circulate Twitter. So you've seen it, but you haven't seen it. No, no. Which I've, is seen it? Pe- I've seen people <laughs> post it in like that minimized form where it's like, Oh, you know, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. check out this link. So I haven't clicked on those links, but yeah, it, it's Marvel. So I'm pretty sure it's going to stay close to the, the source material. We're also phase four Marvel. And these, this, they have a real good grasp on what they, what the fan base wants and needs. Uh, it's not like giving us Whiplash and Iron Man two type of Marvel headquarters. <laughs> Nothing beats that first Whiplash character. Hey man, I like that one. I was a big Iron Man two fan. I think the answer lies in there. Whatever answer I'm looking for. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my bird. This that's that second Whiplash suit though was so good. It was just bigger. It was like when when Obadiah Stane just got a bigger suit. It was like Whiplash just got a bigger suit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Wait, all no, no, I'm wrong because Iron Man three. Yeah, Iron Man three. He did not have a a repulsor based. um, That's post Avengers though, so everything changed. That's true. That's true. This is true. Um, I'm a bird. <laughs> but we close out the episode with um with Carly basically interrupting the vote for the GRC. Wait, do you want to do you want to go to that or do you want to go Sharon first? Let's talk about Sharon, Sharon was first. after the credits because <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah, let's talk about Sharon cuz Cuz Sharon leads into what Carly was doing. Sharon's up to something. But 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 before we even talk about Sharon let let me let me give you a before we talk about real quick. Okay, hey, hit me with that. Hit me with that. What do you got? Let, can, can we talk about um, the Contessa? <laughs> yeah, can, just can, explain what you mean. <laughs> can we talk about Contessa Valentina Allegra? Oh my gosh! Yes, Fontaine. I didn't even put it in the notes. What is Elaine Bennis doing in this? 
Um, <laughs> I don't know, but she's giving me a lot of like creepy vibes. Um, is this like a comic book character? Because then I was yes. trying to do like, what is the acronym of what she just said? Like, I don't. It was all so happening so fast. I was like John Walker. I was befuddled. She's many things in the comic books, but I think the most interesting title she's held is uh, Madam Hydra, which is always like the the female Whoa. leader, the female head of Hydra. Whoa. I don't know if we're going that route though, because I feel like Hydra's kind of been played out at this point. Um, yeah, but yeah. she's been she's been a Shield agent. She's been Madam Hydra. She's been, but I, I guess more importantly, she's been a very key character to the formation of a certain group of um, supervillains. I guess Marvel's version of the Suicide Squad. So it sounds like we're setting up. From the um, comics, or are you just like interpreting that? No, from the comics. Okay, okay. Yeah, so it sounds like we're get we're gonna get the Thunderbolts at some point. Thunderbolts go! <laughs> That's all I picture of whatever they would say. That better be the theme too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I thought she was working for Power Broker, but is she just her own entity? Well, here's the th- here's the other part of this too. So she's been Madam Hydra. She's been. Um, what you call it? She's been a shield agent. She's been a, a spy. But in all these incarnations, at at one point or another, she's ru- she's run Madripoor. So, but mm. she's never been the power broker. At, at least as far as I can. As yeah, far she as didn't give power broker vibes. She gave like I'm his represent. I'm his proxy. Yeah. Or her proxy. Sorry. I wonder if it could be that she is the power broker and you know Sh- Sharon has been a red herring this whole time I don't know but I do know that you know she has been the there head honcho ties. yeah she's been yeah. the head honcho at Madripoor a couple times uh, in the comics so th- there's many ways that they can spin this but her character in particular like that's a character I didn't think we were going to see in Marvel cuz it just you know it's it's a character that has a convoluted storyline and I don't ever really see marvel delving that far but i guess i'm, I'm wrong <laughs> again well that's the cool thing is like you can bring up like small specific characters from the depths and people are still gonna like the super fan like you is gonna be attracted to that because you go like oh it could go in this or this or this direction whereas like just casual just movie fans or mcu fans like me can be like I don't know who the heck that was, but I'm interested. The the thing this is the thing I like about Marvel though. It's like any time that anybody comes in to play any character here, there it's somebody from the comics. It's never somebody that they're just creating for the movies just for the sake of it. They're always pulling somebody from the comics and they're not always necessarily adhering to the comics. So like you don't always get that same backstory, but it's cool whereas like, you know, and and I'm, you know, maybe digressing a little bit here, but like like the Transformers franchise, they create new robots all the time, and not all of them are actually from the source material. So I'm glad to see that here. Like Kevin Feige, who's running things over at Marvel, is enough of a nerd to bring in, you know, some of these characters that they know people like me are gonna get a big kick out of. Like you said, um, but there's so many directions they can go, and that it's not gonna be a crystal clear like, oh, this is definitely gonna happen like this. And, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to go over there. Like, it's never too cookie cutter. Do you think Sharon is the, the, the power broker, though? 
Yeah, so Sharon gets a very quick single scene in this episode. And the only reason to bring her in to, for this episode is to keep her storyline going. Otherwise, people will kind of forget about her. Uh, and if it's very easy to miss, but she is on a, com- a fo- phone call conversation with Batrock, which is the villain from the first episode and also from uh, Captain America Civil War. And she apologizes to him for getting burned on the last assignment. And she has another one for him. And it would pay handsomely. And then it kind of cuts there. So we don't get that much of her. But we do get to see at the end of this episode, Batrock show up uh, in Central Park where Carly is hanging out. And they're basically going to team up. So Sharon's been... is able to track carly now i i I guess so i she she she's giving off a lot of weird vibes and i don't know what her deal is but she's definitely a like morally compromised character to some degree at this point sharon or carly sharon yeah because she is the one that's hired uh batrock right like at at this point like i'm pretty sure that's Unless it's like another, they're going to pull a fast one on us next week. And it turns out she's actually hiring somebody else. Yeah, and she would know who he is because she was also debuted in Captain America Civil War. So either she is just playing all sides of the fence at one time. Or she is the power broker and she has this guy working for her like on the payroll. It's becoming more and more likely that she is the power broker herself, but who knows? I don't know. Like maybe I'm expecting too much by thinking that we're just going to get a fast one pulled out on us. Maybe no, it's that's very what fair. It's very, think. it is very fair to be like, she is the power broker. Uh, I don't know why I'm holding out and just being like, I think she's just working for him. I think the only thing that has me convinced that way is if Sam and Bucky need to stop the power broker, that would mean that they would have to fight Sharon. And I just don't think that the fan base is ready for that. I think they're more just like, she's just tied up and working for him. It's kind of like, um, Amelia Clark's role in solo. Like she's bad, but she's not the big bad. She's bad, but she's good. And she's kind of good at being bad, but she's she's like Michael Jackson's bad song, but not Michael Jackson bad. Does he have a song named Bad? Yeah. Oh. I'm not going to sing it here. You can look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I was giving you the time for a solo here. <laughs> yeah, Weird Al parodied it and called it Fat. <laughs> no? Not we're going to build? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I do think, though, that it's interesting that we're, we're seeing a a point where a character that's been closely tied to Captain America by way of Peggy Carter, of all people, may be the bad guy. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a little heartbreaking if that ends up being accurate. Yeah, it is a little hard to see her turning, and that might just be my only hesitation as to why I'm not saying that she is the, the ultimate bad. Then again, though, this whole show has driven the point of power makes you more of who you really are and so if sharon you know was on the run and happened to then you know bring herself to become the power in madripoor could this just be another like 
symbolism of how power corrupts in a way because it kind of brings out the you know the the true you has she been evil this whole time and she just it took power for her to embrace it i always got those vibes from her <laughs> the way she just breaks into steve's apartment without like without knocking i don't know well that was her job wasn't it <laughs> to just break into her neighbor's apartment i don't know well, she was getting paid for it by Shield, but for protecting Captain America. Okay, well, she didn't have to take that job. Yeah, I just feel bad for for Sharon though. She like she lost Steve. You know, technically her 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 love interest, right? She yeah. loses her job twice, um, all for Captain America, and then he just got, like completely ditches her for her so, aunt for, for her much hotter but less you know but less uh, hot. Yeah. Less hot at the at the same time that they're living in, but yeah. So that's Sharon's plotline. Carly's is that she's going to interrupt the GRC vote for, uh, I guess, basically what the summary of the vote is that it's going to move anyone who crossed borders and took up residence in countries of not their origin during the blip. It's going to force them back to where they came from. So. It's a pretty bad vote. I don't know why it's going through, but the senator who ejected Captain America, what's his name? John Walker, uh, is all on board for it. So you know it's a bad thing. <laughs> Clearly he thinks nothing through. So Wait, so is Ice going to be the villain of the, of season two? Is that how this is going to play out? Because that's giving me flashbacks to stuff. <laughs> uh, do you think there's... Gonna, this was one question I wanted to pose to you, and I think this might also be better when Loki comes out, but if forced to pick one, which of these shows would you want a second season of most? Is it WandaVision? Is it uh, Falcon Winter Soldier? Or is it going to be Loki? Obviously, we don't know what, what's up with Loki, so maybe just between the two. Yeah, I, don't, I feel like out of the... Conceptually, I feel like... Loki's likely going to play out in a similar way to WandaVision, where I feel like they have a future mapped out for these characters, but they're just, like, setting the groundwork for them using these shows. I feel like this show lends itself well for a season two. And that's only because I feel like I don't quite know what the trajectory is for Sam as Captain America. You get what I mean? Like, in a world where you're stalled because of COVID and we have a mountain of movies about to be released. It's going to be a while before we get to Captain America. What is it for? So I think it, I think it's fair to assume that if any show has a shot of a second season, it might be this one. Yeah. I'm not even talking about like realistically, which one gets the second season. I'm just saying like out of interest. And I think it is this, this show for me as well. Cause I'm like, especially with this post credit scene where was that John Walker building the new shield, or was that I didn't really see who it was? It was him. He was on he was on YouTube, um, looking up a tutorial of the Captain America <laughs> DIY shield. Uh, yeah, he was like building his own in pieces and putting his own medals of honor into it. That would be a really cool second season. Like you don't have to have him enter in the end of this season. You could just have him be the looming threat in the second one. Uh, so I think long-term wise when this show is set up pretty well for that. Yeah. We're getting us agents in the next episode, apparently. 
Yeah, do you think it's going to be as soon as that? Or like, because the last episode has to clear up the flag smashers. It's got to clear up what's going on with the boat. Uh, Bucky needs to be able to make some amends. It's got a lot to do. Is it able to introduce uh, Captain America 2.0 or whatever we're calling him? U.S. agent. Um, I don't want to call him that. Well, that's what he's called. <laughs> he doesn't represent me. He's just an agent. Yeah, he's just an agent. He doesn't represent all of America. He's kind of like a... He's like a TSA agent, you know? Oh, he's, okay. He's, he's there. You don't quite know him, but he's there. Um, I, th- I think we're going to get him only because in all these interviews that they've had with Wyatt Russell, he's talked about how the finale is his favorite episode and you know, he's, he's had a couple um, pretty good uh, or some of his favorite scenes come out of the finale. So I think there's a good chance that we get it. He has that, you know, I think the whole conversation he had with Lamar's parents kind of he took it to mean that he has to hunt down Carly and make her pay. So I think we are going to see more of him in the, in the finale. But I could be wrong. Yeah. Is that your prediction then? Are you willing to go on record? I'm willing to testify that I, <laughs> yeah, wow. yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll put a dollar on it. You, you know what? No, I'll, okay. I'll put it, I'll put a Chick-fil-A um, classic sandwich Ooh, on Ooh, rebetting what I've already owed you? Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll double up that. <laughs> I'm going to start owing you a lot of Chick-fil-A. I'll put my uh, premier membership Chick-fil-A uh, on the line here. I don't know what to do for predictions. Uh because there's so many things that have to get cleared up. Like, is Sharon going to be exposed? Is, I mean, Carly has to get a little violent in this episode, right? But it also seems like she's got her minions working for her. Uh, it's very, I don't know. It's very, there's a lot of lines that have to get cleared up here in one hour left. I think Carly is a goner. I think she's definitely You think she's dying her. in this episode? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the only way to wrap her up. I just don't like her as a character. I don't mind her because she is one of those complicated, complex characters, just like John Walker, where it's like, just like Sam said in the last episode, where I can get behind your message. I just can't get behind how you're executing it. And I could see maybe like, let's rectify the mistakes we've made with Isaiah, where we don't just put her in a jail for 30 years and experiment on her. Maybe we give her a little bit of a spotlight, not positive or negative, just like, here's what's going on in the world. Oh, no, I agree. She's a great character. I just think that if we keep her on, she has no time to work on this solo uh, spinoff series that they're working on. So I'd rather see her as Enfys Nest over in Star Wars. I see. Okay. (laughs) But seriously, they should make an Enfys Nest spinoff show because, come on. This uh, is pure so I, money we're printing for you, Disney. Just, like, give us what we want. I think we're going with a um, a pretty neutral perspective into predictions and just keeping it kind of general. Let's let's not set up too much expectations. I'm excited. I mean, they, they keep one-upping themselves every single episode. Yeah, I'm excited to, to see how all this pans out. Um, I think more than anything, I'm just I'm excited to see what the, that suit's gonna look like. I think that's what I've been most hyped about in this show. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what comes out of that unboxing video. 
you got to give it like show off the wings. Like how many points of articulation do the wings have? Like, is it, is it like a premium custom paint job? Is it more of a DIY kind of project? Like, come on, Sam. <laughs> is it I nanotech? Love, I would love if it's like hand painted. <laughs> That'd be so good. It's neon colored. That would All right, be... so so why don't we uh, why don't we wrap it up here? Um, if you've got your own predictions or if you've got your own take on the episode, uh, feel free to hit us up on Twitter at bt fourth wall for being four th. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs>